We're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And then once you find that, if you'll find 1 Samuel chapter 15, excuse me, we're going to go over there in just a little bit. But if you already have it marked with your bulletin or ribbon in your Bible or however you might want to mark that, we can keep right on moving. But we're going to start there in Ecclesiastes and chapter number 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and if you'll find 1 Samuel 15 and mark that, we'll be in good shape. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. Um, I titled a message for this morning, Get Real with God. It's just important that we do that. Let's pray. We'll get on into the message. Now, Heavenly Father, we ask you one last time just for your guidance and power Uh, Certainly the ability to preach this message the way that you'd have it done. Uh, Father, we we need you more than we need anything else at this point because without you we can do nothing. And I pray, Lord, that uh, ears would be open to what you have for us today. And Lord, that you would speak very clearly to our hearts. And once again, if there's someone here that does not know Christ, uh, Lord, that you would deal with their heart as only you can. Bless us and help us. Bless this message, we pray. And we thank you for it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. After making uh, many mistakes in his life, Solomon came to the understanding that really our lives are meaningless unless God is kept in first place. We know that men were created with a need for God. Uh, Therefore, life will be empty until God is given his proper place in our lives. However, acknowledging our need, now get this, please get this. Acknowledging our need of God requires more than just adding a little churchianity to our lives. It's more than just religion. Much, much more than just religion. In fact, God has never been interested in religion really does not care anything about it whatsoever. It's proven that we don't have time to get over that. But anyway, he proved that when he rebuked the Pharisees and rebuked the Sadducees for their perversion of his word, for adding things to things that should not have ever been added to. 
And he desires to have a real relationship with men, women, boys, and girls. A relationship like that of a father to his children. That's what he wants. I'm so thankful for that, personally. I'm very, very thankful that he wants that type of relationship with somebody like me. He wants it with with everyone. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Come on, that the very God of heaven wants to be our heavenly Father, that He wants to be there for us 24-7, that He'll always supply our need as we yield to Him and trust in Him. I'm so thankful that we can have that type of relationship with the very God of heaven. You know, Judaism was never meant to be a religion. It was intended to be much more than just the performance of the rituals that they went through. Sacrifices were a part of their worship that were meant to prepare them for fellowship with God. No, the sacrifices were just meant to prepare them for fellowship with God. Uh, Prayer and making vows were meant to be a personal expression of of a worshiper's walk with God. They were never meant to be used as a means of impressing other people or making you look more spiritual. Never meant to be that way. It's not just ritual. It's not something that we just go through mechanically. And three times in these verses that we read this morning, Solomon notes that a person is a fool to think that religion is a suitable substitute for a vibrant personal relationship with the living God. And it's not only foolish, ladies and gentlemen, it's dangerous. I'm I'm going to repeat that to to an extent. Religion is not to be a substitute for a personal relationship with a living God. In fact, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because if we get feeling like if we go through certain rituals that everything is okay between us and God, we're just fooling ourselves. It's not the way that God ever intended for it to be. The worship of God isn't to be entered into casually. Okay, I didn't even want to stop here, but I'm going to stop here for a minute. Because this new casual Christianity that is sweeping our nation has swept our nation, was never meant to be. (laughs) Um, Really, you think about it with me, please. Casual worship of God does not even make good sense. We come to meet with the very God of heaven, the creator of everything we see the one that supplies the air that we breathe, the one that keeps our heart beating beat after beat after beat, the one that allows us to get out of bed every morning if we're able to do so. I mean, we come to meet with 
God our creator. And to think about doing that casually really does not make any sense whatsoever. Or to make him some type of a plaything, to make him some type of a buddy, to make him some type of a casual friend. I'm telling you, that was never meant to be. You can't, no, 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 you cannot rationalize it with the word of God. It never was meant to be that way. Worshiping of God is a very seriously, uh, very serious, very serious issue. Solomon gives the warning, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. He starts out like that. So very plainly stated, he was saying, watch your step. You're treading on holy ground. You're coming to meet with God. It was not to be taken casually. And we know that the church house is not like the temple of Jerusalem. We understand that. But still, the New Testament does call a gathering such as this as a church the house of God. And that makes every church service a holy event. We are meeting with a holy God. And it also means that the dangers that Solomon outlines in these verses are not confined just to Judaism. They are dangers still faced by those who would assemble to worship God today. It's important that we take our assembling to worship Him very seriously. It's important that we do that. I'm not saying that we can't have a good time. I always have a good time when I gather together with the people of God. I always have a good time when I sing till I'm completely out of breath. I always have a good time listening to good music like we heard with the choir and the quartet this morning. I always have a good time when I can fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. But I am telling you, when we come together like this and we open up the Word of God, we have great hopes, even as I stated this morning, that God will meet with us, that He will speak to us, that He will speak through His Word, and that He will guide us and direct us in all that we do. I want to point out these things that Solomon pointed out here, and it all starts with the danger of substituting sacrifice, get this, substituting sacrifice uh, for obedience. It's not to be. Okay, verse number one again, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. So he said, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Have you ever heard the, uh, the phrase, um, you know, it just seems to go in one ear and out the other. And I'm really afraid that that's the case with many who attend church services today. It just goes one ear and out the other. I mean, nothing really happens. Our first responsibility of worship is, now get this, uh, our first responsibility of worship is hearing, not sacrifice. It's hearing. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 29, the Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So not just listening, but hearing. Uh, Come on, we can listen to things and not hear, can't we? If you don't think that's true, sir, ask your wife. I'm sorry, dear, what'd you say? I heard you, but what'd you say? Oh, no, no, no. It's important that we're not just listening, but that we are hearing what the Spirit has to say to us through the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. 
hearts must be prepared to listen to God, to obey Him once we hear what He says, because He truly does want us to be obedient to Him as we hear what He has to say to you and I as individuals. The main goal of worship is to restore the supremacy of God in our lives. I'm talking about exalting God to the place of having preeminence in our life. We want Him to be number one. It's so important. Submission to God, submission to God is the prerequisite to sacrificing to God. Sacrifice is a proper response of worship, but it is unacceptable when offered as a substitute for obedience to the Word of God. Okay, well, well, you know, I, I know that God wants me, to, but I am doing this. Wait, 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 you're not listening. Obedience is more important than sacrifice. It's more important. Well, we want to think if we do this or we do that, that, you know, it's everything's fine. We're going to please God. Not if we're not being obedient to God. Obedience is more important than sacrifice. And Solomon figured that out and really stated it very, very plainly. And it's also, it is also made clear in other parts of the Word of God. Turn over to 1 Samuel 15. I had you mark that. Turn over there real quick. Hold your place there. We'll come back here in just a minute. 1 Samuel 15, excuse me, verse number 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken un, uh, uh, thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he did lay wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and destroy uh, utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in, in, in Telaim, uh, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the city. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah unto thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, of the fatlings, of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuge, that they, uh, that they destroyed utterly. Skip on down to verse number 13. And Samuel, said, uh, Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, uh, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, uh, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, uh, 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 They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Skip on down with me to verse number 19. The Bible says, Wherewith then did thou, uh, didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of uh, Amalek, 
and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed so uh, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord also great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. In disobedience to God's instructions, look up here. In disobedience to God's instructions, there in verse number three, Saul kept the best of the flocks, destroying only that which was vile and refuge, talks about in verse number nine. And when God confronted him with his disobedience, Saul claimed to be innocent. Uh, well, I, I did what I was supposed to do. Uh, no, you didn't. God said to do this, and you decided to do it your way. And that which was spared, Saul claimed, was only kept back to be offered, listen, as a sacrifice to God. So then in verse number 22, Samuel asked, Hath God as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? So what Saul said was intended uh, uh, was his intended sacrifice is what Solomon, where we're reading this morning, calls the sacrifice of fools. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Look, we, we assemble together Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, special meetings that we have. We assemble together for that, certainly to sing praises unto the Lord, but to hear from the Word of God. That God might speak to us that we would say, yes, Lord. Amen. That we would come into, this plane, uh, 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 come into this place saying, what wilt thou have me to do? And if God speaks to us and we're not willing to obey him, but we throw a little extra money in the plate or, you know, I'm not doing completely bad because I do this and I do this and I do this, we're missing it. Come on, I'm not trying to be ugly or mean-spirited or any such thing. I said we're missing it. It's more important that we be obedient to God. It's more important that we are listening to him and doing the things that he would ask us to do. One person said this, a person is a fool to think that God can be bought off, that he will overlook disobedience in the right, if the right price is paid. I'm telling you, God does not overlook our disobedience. I'll say it again. God does not overlook our disobedience. He wants us to be in close fellowship with him, but it's very hard to be in close fellowship with God if we're not doing the things that he just really asked us to do. I don't, I'm pretty sure that I can say this safely. God has never made you do one thing. He's never made you come to church. He's never made you read your Bible. He's never made you pray. He's never made you give. He's never made you do one thing. He sent his only begotten son to die for the sin of mankind, the sin of the world, that you might be saved by his grace, that you would not have to spend eternity in hell with great hopes that once you know Christ as your savior, that you would love him because he's been so loving toward you and you would just be willing to obey him as your heavenly father. He just wants obedience, just like an 
earthly father desires the obedience of his children as they grow up, as he teaches them, as he tells them things that they should do. He just wants them to be obedient. It's the same with our heavenly father. He wants us to be obedient. But Solomon also points out back in chapter number five in Ecclesiastes, the danger of substituting ritual for worship, for for real worship. Verse number two says this, but be not rash with thy mouth and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. So in worship, it's better to have a heart, get this, it's better to have a heart without words than words without heart. God cares about our heart. He cares about who we really are. No, 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 not what other people think we are. Well, he really knows we are. Well, we know we are. I mean, God cares about that. First and foremost, it really doesn't matter. Come on, we can dress up and look like everybody else. But I'm telling you, if, if no, 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 if we're living a life contrary to the life that God would have us to live, we're not pr- impressing him whatsoever. I'll say it again, we're not impressing him whatsoever. It's not about all of that. It's not about the ritual. It's not about the things that you say. It's about what is really going on in your heart. And Solomon cautioned that we are not to allow our hearts to be hasty to utter anything before God, just to let these words come out of our mouth. And we know we worship uh, God with words through prayer and praise and singing and testimonies and different things like that. And God hears our words, but, but he knows if they truly reflect the attitude of our heart God knows that if it is truly coming from our heart in Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13 the Bible says this wherefore the Lord said for as much as the people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me but have removed their heart from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord and their works are in the dark and they say who seeth us and who knoweth us with their lips boy they sound good with their heart it's just not there it's not there you know it really can be easy to rattle off a prayer without any real thought of the one we're talking to it's real easy to rattle off words well I love God it's real easy to rattle off things like that have things like that come out of your mouth without it really coming from your heart And it's an amazing thing. We can pick up a hymnal and sing words of faith and praise. I mean, speaking words with our lips without them coming from our hearts. I mean, we can, we can, no, no, no. We can very unattached sing these wonderful hymns without it really coming from our heart. When we pick up those hymnals, when we watch the words up on the screen, however we might sing, we should be thinking about what the words say and realizing that we are singing to a holy God and it really does mean something to Him if it doesn't mean anything to you. It's important. Genuine worship begins with a prepared heart. 
A disciplined mind. What's why we ought to? No, no, that's why we ought to try to get in bed early on Saturday night. That's why we ought to prepare ourselves on Saturday before we ever come to church on Sunday. That's why we need to get up early on Sunday morning and pray and ask God to speak to us and help us and bring people into the house of God and do the work that only He can do and be prepared for what He has for us. I'm telling you, it begins with a prepared heart and a disciplined mind. Worship requires thought about God. In verse number two, he said, for God is in heaven and thou upon the earth. We know that he's there and we know where we are. Psalm chapter 46 and verse number 10, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. He is God Almighty. And we reproach him so many times so nonchalantly. It's not a big deal. We're just coming to get it over with like we're going to a movie theater, like we're going to some show somewhere. I'm telling you, friend, a church service is not meant to be like anything else on this earth. It's a completely different time. God is our creator. He sits on the throne of heaven and he knows everything and he sees everything and he hears everything and he can do anything that needs to be done. And we are his creation dependent upon him for everything so we should come into God's presence thoughtful and humble and respectful that we are coming to meet with our wonderful heavenly father but worship also requires an attentive spirit when our mind is preoccupied with our business instead of worshiping we spend the service daydreaming well, it talks about that. Verse number, verse number three. It's oh no, no. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. Yeah. <clears throat> when our mind is preoccupied, pretty soon we're off someplace else. And we're reducing our worship to mental doodling. We're letting our minds just wonder wherever they go, one thing after another. And then what's the preacher droning on about? And it just becomes nothing because of everything else that's going on in our mind. We have to focus. We have to be attentive. I'm telling you, that's why many walk away, many walk away service after service after service with no real change in their lives. No real change in their heart. Their marriages never get better. Their homes never get better. I mean, nothing happens because they aren't really taking and paying attention to what is going on in that church service. You know, the mind must be disciplined to be attentive to the Word of God and to be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God so as not to let worship become little more than just a ritual we go through. Well, I went to church this morning. Oh, right. What was it all about? Um, uh, you know, we sang. Well, what was the message about? Uh, well, you know, it was. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it was. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it's about sin. Oh well, what the preacher say about sin? Well, he's against it. Man, if we no, 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 if we prayerfully come to a service asking God to speak to our heart, He ought to speak to us somewhere along the way about something. And we should be willing to be obedient to whatever he speaks to us about. 
Come on, that's what, no, no, that, that, that's what imitation's all about. That's what the altars are up here for, the mourner benches are up here for, the, that if God convicts us of something, that we would come down and we would get our hearts right with God, that we would repent of sin that's in our life, that we would decide to walk with Him. It, no, no, we, 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 have to, we, have to, we have to come to this as more than just some ritual we go to. You know, some people are apathetic listeners. The voice of God just kind of goes in one ear and goes out the other. And some people are very agon, uh, 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 mm, antagonistic uh, listeners. They, they argue with virtually everything that God has to say. Well, that's not for me. Well, that's not for me. Who the preacher thinks he's talking to? And well, that's not for me. And that's not for me. And they argue about anything and everything that God wants them to do. But some people are attentive listeners and they hang on to every word and they're very anxious to understand what God wants them to do as a result of what they hear. They're not just listeners, they're hearers of God's Word. They're ready to respond and do those things. But the third thing we see in this Scripture is the danger of substituting the right image uh, uh, for uh, a real integrity. Look at verse number 4 there. It says, When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the works of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities. Excuse me, but fear thou God. Making vows to God is regulated by two principles. In Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 21, the Bible says this, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform. Even a free will offering, according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. So a vow has to be voluntary. And, and I'm not speaking just of money here. We make commitments to God, don't we? At times. We come to an altar and tell God, I'm going to quit doing this. We come to an altar, and, and, and uh, whether at church or an altar or wherever, we might make it and tell God, I'm going to serve you with my life. We tell God, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to quit doing this. Lord, you've spoken in my heart, and, and, and I'm telling you, I, nobody's twisting my arm. This is what I'm going to do. Vows often involve the dedication of something very personal to the Lord such as property or service, even a child. I mean, you think about Samuel, and you think about Samson, as their, their parents made a vow unto the Lord. We'll give, you, we'll give our child unto the Lord. And a vow is, was considered, is considered, was considered a free will offering. A free will offering. What does that mean? Nobody twist your arm do it. You're doing it because it's what you want to do. It's what you want to say. It's what you want to vow. It's what you want to commit to. 
and no sin was committed back, back during that time if a person chose not to vow. They chose not to vow? Okay. <clears throat> However, a vow, when made, was binding. Again, God didn't require anybody to make a vow, but once it was made, He surely required that the vow be kept. Choosing not to vow was not a sin. But breaking one's vow was a sin. A person who makes a vow out of pressure or a vow out of pride really is more concerned with his image before other people than his integrity before God. He's trying to make a name for himself, whatever the case may be. Some made vows and then they deferred to pay them, putting off the, uh, the keeping of their vow, believing that Believing that the more time that passed, the less likely it was that anybody would even remember that they made that vow. And some made vows then, when it was time to pay up, said it was an error. Well, you know, I was a mistake. I just, you know, I just it was a mistake. <clears throat> you know, spiritual integrity demands that we keep our commitments. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual integrity demands that we keep our commitments. Over in Psalm chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says this, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay, for, uh, to, to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to, to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform, even a free will offering, according to according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. So God will lead us to make commitments to Him, but once made, a right heart requires that we keep our commitments. A right heart. So that's why it's very important. Stay with me. I'm right at done. That's why it's very important that we do our best to keep our heart right with God. Because if we keep our heart right with God, then it's not going to be a big deal to keep our commitments that we made to God. <clears throat> so, Solomon began this section with a warning. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. And he closes it with a second warning. Fear thou God. Fear thou God. So he's telling us that worship is serious business. And we need to be careful that we don't substitute religious performance for honest worship of God. Genuine worship of God changes your life. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I'll say it to this side then. Genuine worship of God is a life changer. Because, no, no, no. When we're genuine with God, we are talking to Him, not just letting words come out of our mouth, we are talking to him about serious business. Yes. What he has dealt with us about, we commit unto him. 
with a willingness to do those things that he would have us to do. Genuine worship, according to Solomon, has three essentials. Number one, obedience to what we hear. Number two, sincerity in what we say. And number three, integrity in what we promise. And I'm telling you, that will lead to a change in your life. True salvation by the grace of God is life-changing. Becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, determining to be a good Christian, is life-changing. It's not just a label we wear. It's not just a ritual we go through. It's a determination to live our life for God. Those three things I mentioned become natural when, 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 when our worship reflects our relationship to God. And it's not just going through the motions of churchianity, doing what everybody else expects of us. Even salvation is not merely a prayer, just words coming out of your mouth. No, 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 no. Salvation comes to us when we, are, when we see ourselves sinners in the eyes of God. And we cry out for forgiveness. And we truly want what God is offering with a desire for Jesus to be our personal Savior. So let me ask you a question. Are you worshiping correctly in the eyes of God? Have you made commitments to Him that you've not kept? Do you truly know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Or was it just words that came out of your mouth when you prayed for Him to save you? Maybe what needs to happen is you just need to get real with God. And when you do, you can get right with God. And that's all he wants. He just wants us to be close to him. He wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to be committed to do those things that we know we should be doing. Because he is truly a loving, caring, wonderful, gracious, merciful, patient, long-suffering, forgiving, heavenly father. And he wants what's best for you. He truly wants what's best for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed for just a moment. Every head is bowed. Please, every eye is closed for just a moment. Please, no one looking around. In respect of the Lord, in respect of those that are around you, for just a moment. It could be that there's someone here in this setting in this place today that would have to say, Preacher, I don't know if I died that I'd go to heaven. I don't know that I've ever truly trusted Christ as my Savior. I don't have that assurance that, that uh, I've been saved and my sin has been forgiven. Preacher, would you just remember me in prayer? Well, I'd like to do that uh, for you this morning. Would you allow me to? You're here like that today. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and allow me to pray for you? Preacher, that's me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven, but I certainly don't want to end up in hell 
Would you please pray for me? I see your hand, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you so very much for that. Thank you for that. Thank you. Others, preacher, when you pray for them, will you pray for me? Sure will. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. Others over here, God bless you. God bless you there and there. Thank you so much. And over there, God bless you, sir. I appreciate that very much. You may put your hand down. Thank you. You didn't raise your hand before, but you want to raise it now. Preacher, when you pray for them, pray for me too. I will. No, no. And I can't, I can't get saved for you, but I do want to pray for you. Would you allow me to do that? You didn't raise your hand before. Yeah, preacher, please pray for me too. Just slip your hand up. I'll see it. Acknowledge it. We'll move right on. Others, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not sure I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Right there, there. God bless you. Anyone else before we go on? Anyone at all? Right there. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. You're here today and you'd say, honestly, before God, our heads are bowed. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. But you'd say, preacher, I need to catch up on some things. I, I've, I've slacked off on some things I told God that I'd do. I, I've, I've backed off and I'm not fulfilling commitments that I made to God at one time. Would you please pray with me that I'll get back on track, that I'll do business with God, that I'll make sure that my commitments that I've made in the past are fulfilled to Him. You're here like that this morning, and would you allow me just to pray with you about that? Just slip your hand up wherever you're at, right there. God bless you, ma'am, and there. God bless you, right there, back there, over here. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for that. Others, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I truly want to pray for you that you'll just, that you'll just do what God would have you to do. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Others, others, you didn't raise your hand before. You want to raise it now. Yeah, preacher, I've told God over and over I'd do something and it's not happening, hasn't happened. Would you please pray with me and for me about that? Would you let me do that? Just slip your hand up. Come on, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I want to pray for you. Others, before we move on, anyone else? Right there. God bless you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your honesty. Appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their personal Savior. We pray, Lord, that they might even come this morning, come forward this morning and get that all settled. Let us help them. Lord, that they wouldn't leave this place without getting that settled. We'd love to take a Bible and sit down with them. Show them how that, that can be done. That you, you've done all the work. They just need to put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, I can't, I can't save them. Only you can do that. And Lord, I'm not going to try to make them come. They come because uh, of their own free will. And I pray they'd come this morning. And then Lord, for... for others sitting in this place today that have made commitments to you in past and it just seemed like they've gone by the wayside. I don't know what they may have been. I don't know what the situations were. I, I, I don't. But you do. And they do. And I know your heart's desire is just to help them to get back on track. Lord, you want that for them. And so I pray, dear God, that folks might even come this morning just to talk to you, to help 
that you might help them to fulfill your will in their lives. Whatever needs to happen these next few minutes ahead, we pray you'd save those that are lost, that you'd help those that are saved. We trust you for these things because we ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have already come and you know you need to come. No, no, you know you need to come this morning. Why don't you? Why don't you? Somebody be down here to meet you. Somebody to help you. Somebody to pray with you. Somebody to be there for you. You just let God have his way. Whatever he wants. Would you come? Would you let God have his way? Are you tired of just going through the rituals? Isn't it about time you got real with God? That you care more about what He knows about you than what others think about you? Isn't it time?